It's good to be together this morning, Sunday morning. Let's turn together to Matthew chapter 28. This is going to be a, perhaps a, a little bit of an unusual focus for these verses, and we're going to come back to them in a future sermon, but this morning our focus is going to be rather focused. I guess that's repetitive. Now the 11 disciples, beginning of verse 16, now the 11 disciples went to Galilee to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. And when they saw him, they worshipped him. But some doubted. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always even to the end of the age. Over the three years that these disciples followed Jesus, there was a burning question that we see in the Gospels they ask often. Who is this man? Who is this man who commands the waves and the winds and they obey him? Who is this man who casts out demons with but a word? Who is this man who heals the sick and raises the dead? Who is this man who teaches with authority unlike any we've ever heard before? Who is this man? That is the question that has been burning in their hearts for three years. And now on the hill, as they see the resurrected Jesus, they know who this man is. He is God. When they saw him, verse 17 says, they worshipped him. Worship in the Jewish heart is reserved for God alone. No being, no matter how powerful, no matter how great, is worthy. In fact, it is an abomination to worship any being except God alone. So when Matthew says, when they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, it is very clear they knew who Jesus is. He is God. He is the Son of God. Without a doubt. Except... We also see in verse 17 that there is a doubt. Some doubted. In verse 17 it says, but some doubted. Even there, even then with the risen Jesus standing before them, some doubted. And if they could doubt in that moment, it's not surprising that we also can and probably will experience doubt in our lives. When you think about doubt, doubt kind of falls on the heart like a, like a, a, a foggy uncertainty. It, it's not a certainty. Doubt is uncertain. That's what makes it doubt. It is this foggy uncertainty where you can't see things clearly. You're not certain something is true. You're not certain something isn't true. You have doubt. I think that's what some of the disciples were wrestling with here. They saw Jesus resurrected. There's no doubt about it, but there is a doubt. Is he? Is he really resurrected? Are we hallucinating? Is this real? 
I think for their minds, there are bigger questions that also brought confusion to them and, and stirred doubt in their hearts. When the resurrection happens according to the Old Testament, all those dead will be raised to life. At least those who die knowing their God. And yet here's just one man resurrected. When the Messiah comes, he will establish his kingdom. The curse will be lifted. And yet, we don't see the kingdom being established. And we don't see the curse being lifted. What is going on here? Some doubted. And doubt can come to our hearts and lives in many different forms. I'm sure you have experienced doubt. Maybe we feel a, a foggy uncertainty about who God is. Who is God really? Who is God really? Or maybe we feel a foggy uncertainty about what God is doing. What is God doing in my life right now? What is he doing? Maybe we feel certain about who God is, but we doubt ourselves. We doubt the intersection of what God and our lives. I know, I believe that God is good, but will he be good to me? I know I believe that God is loving, but does he love me? And we can doubt where his goodness intersects with our lives. Doubt can even raise that question, is God even real? Is there really a God? Am I really saved? But some doubted. I'm so glad Matthew put that line in there. I'm so glad in that moment he put that line in there because it helps us know that doubt is a part of the discipleship journey. Doubt is a part of the discipleship journey and I love and I appreciate the way Jesus responds to those who doubted in their midst. And we're going to look at that in a moment, but first I want to talk a little bit more about doubt. And I'm going to be drawing heavily upon Paul Tripp's book and his wisdom and I recommend this book it's called Suffering colon Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense Suffering Gospel Hope When Life Doesn't Make Sense and doubt isn't all bad doubt is kind of like fear it can serve a good purpose doubt can cause us to think deeply about things and ask important questions doubt can cause us uh or protect us from being gullible and believing things that are not true. Doubt can actually press our souls towards God with big questions, and that's what doubt is meant to do. It is meant to press us towards God, but doubt can also become a toxic poison to our souls, casting everything we believe into a foggy uncertainty and eating away at our faith. Paul Tripp delineates between healthy and unhealthy doubt. And uh, it's a long quote, but I want to read this quote from the book together. We'll have it on the screen as well. He writes, there are two kinds of doubt. First is the doubt of wonderment. God's ways can confuse you. His ways are not like our ways. His plans often don't mesh with the plans we have for ourselves. 
What God knows is good for us doesn't always look good to us. He takes us places we would never choose to go. There are times when the way in which he delivers what he's promised looks to us as if he's breaking his promise. He doesn't warn us ahead of time before he initiates change in our lives. He doesn't invite us into the counsel of his secret will. He will not submit his sovereignty to our sense of what is best. He will exercise his power to deliver not what we want, but what he knows we need. Because of this at street level, the life of faith is always a struggle of trust. In this struggle of trust, you will be left with questions about what God is doing. If the doubt of wonderment causes you to come to God with sincere questions, asking is an act of faith. You're not rebelling against him. You're not running from him. You're not demanding answers, but crying out your confusion for the help that only he can give. The doubt of wonderment is a normal part of a healthy life of faith. God won't always make sense to you. And when he doesn't, bringing your doubts to him is good. But there's a second and not so healthy form of doubt. It is the doubt of judgment. This doubt is not the result of wondering what God is doing. This form of doubt is the result of concluding that because of our circumstances, God is not good and therefore not worthy of our trust. It's to bring God into the court of our judgment and determine that he is unfaithful, unloving, or uncaring in some way. The minute your functional theology tells you that God is not good, it's very hard to hold on to the confessional theology that declares he is. Once this happens, you no longer actually believe what you once believed about God, and because you don't, you will no longer run to him for help. You don't actually think that he's with you and loves you, so you quit doing the faith in God things that you once did. Your suffering has told you that God isn't good, so you quit following him and relying on him for help. This morning, if somebody here is struggling with doubt, if your doubt is pressing you to God with questions, maybe confusion, that is a part of the healthy life of faith. But if you find yourself falling into the doubt of judgment, where you are concluding, maybe because of circumstances in your life, that God is unloving, or he is unfaithful, or he's not with you, I want to encourage you with everything in my heart to fight that kind of faith, I mean, that kind of doubt. Don't let it get a grip on your thinking. Don't let it get a grip on your soul. Don't just passively say, well, this is where I'm at. Fight that kind of doubt. Run to God. Don't run from him. If your doubt is, running, is causing you to run away from God, you need to turn around, confess that doubt to God, run to him, and repent of it. Because it will take you to unhealthy and dark places. You see, we always have inner conversations in our minds, in our hearts. You have one right now. I have one. We always have inner, and when those inner conversations become our authority, 
what we hitch to. And they begin to say, God isn't real because of this circumstance. God isn't loving because this happened. We are attaching our lives to our own thoughts rather than God's word. And that's not good. Our situation is causing us to shift our view of God from what he promises he is to what we start to think he is. And the enemy of our souls loves to sow that doubt into our hearts. Did God really say? Is God really good? He loves to sow that. So that our doubts cause us to run away from God. Run to God. Don't trust your thoughts. Don't trust your perspective. Trust the word of God. Jesus says, heaven and earth will pass away. Everything we see around us will pass away. But Jesus says, my word will never pass away. That's what we want to hitch our lives to. Now let's look at Jesus' words. But again, it's with a broad stroke because we're going to keep the doubters in mind as he speaks to them. And then in another message, we'll look a little more specifically at the Great Commission, which is the primary thrust of this passage. But there are three things that Jesus does that I believe help these doubters deal with their doubt and helps us deal with our doubt as well today in a healthy way. The first thing Jesus does is he reveals his greatness to them. Words are going to fail here. Words are absolutely going to fail. But here's the thing. If faith expands our view of God, doubt shrinks our view of God, especially the doubt of judgment. As Tripp says, we bring God into our court of judgment. We begin to judge God. We start to doubt that God is powerful enough to, to help us or to do anything about our circumstances, or maybe he's able to and he's powerful enough to, but he's not willing to, he doesn't want to, and we start to doubt that God is good or that he cares. It shrinks our view. We start to doubt that God answers prayer. And if you doubt that God answers prayer, what are you going to do? You're going to stop praying. And so our view of God shrinks. And we begin to live our lives in the unreality of our own distorted inner thoughts and what we need then is an injection of truth and that's what Jesus does he brings absolute unchanging transcendent truth to them in verse 18 all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me that is truth that was truth then that is true today that will be true for all eternity all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to Jesus there is nothing nothing that exists outside of his power his rule his authority heaven hell earth the universe everything from the greatest galaxies to the smallest molecules everything exists at the rule of under the authority of Jesus Christ. Now there's mystery in that that we're going to not get deep into. 
because obviously there is a cancer in this world brought in by the devil, but that cancer will one day come absolutely under the lordship of Jesus Christ, and even, the Bible says, the devil will bow his knee before Jesus Christ and confess him as Lord. He won't love him, and he won't like it, but he will confess him as Lord. But that doesn't, his lordship doesn't start then. His lordship is very real right now. Jesus says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And so when we struggle with doubts, let it be the doubt of wonderment where we ask really hard questions and we may really feel confused and we may really wonder what God is doing, but it presses our hearts and our souls to God, not away from Him. We may ask questions and doubts and bring it, Jesus, why is this happening in my life? Where are you, Lord, in this? Have you forgotten me? Have you forsaken me? Real questions, real doubts. This is the soul talk of the Psalms. Being honest with God about where we're at and what we're struggling with and what we can't understand. Being honest with God about our doubts. But in that honesty... Our doubt isn't the biggest thing. God is the biggest thing. Jesus is Lord over everything, including what I'm going through right now. That's why the Psalms so often get so real with their honesty and their questions and their doubts, but they always bring us back to hope in God. Why so downcast, O my soul? Put your trust in God. The doubt isn't the destination. Trust in God. Faith in God is. But the part of the discipleship journey is sometimes the path of doubt. The doubt of wonderment. Recently, I found myself struggling with some doubts. And there was a day where I just wanted to be alone with God. So I took a long walk. Maybe you've done this too. I love to take long walks in nature. And... uh, So I took this long walk in nature, and I poured out my heart to God, including my doubts, including my questions. And about an hour in, I I realized, Lord, I would love to end this walk with specific answers. I would love to have specific answers to the questions and doubts that are rattling around in my heart. But I also knew that wasn't going to happen. That was not going to happen. God wasn't going to break the sky and and say, this is what's going on. He wasn't going to give me a neat, tidy answer with a bow on it by the end of the walk. And sure enough, as I walked and prayed, what was happening is I was hitching my doubts and I was hitching my questions to God, to the one who is greater than I to the one who has all authority in heaven and on earth. I was hitching those doubts to Jesus Christ. And at the end of that walk, the doubts and the questions remained. But there was something else. There was hope. There 
was hope. Hope in him. Jesus, who is Lord over all, has my life in his hands. He has your life in his hands. Jesus is Lord over our lives. So Jesus reveals his greatness to the disciples, including the some who doubted. The second thing Jesus does is he commands the doubters to go and minister to others. Verse 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations. I want to paraphrase an old saying, when you're going through doubt, keep going. When you're going through doubt, keep going. Doubt can make us want to stop. It can make us want to give up. But I want you to notice how Jesus deals with the ones who are doubting, who are in the midst of the ones who apparently are not doubting in that moment. He deals with them exactly the same. He doesn't pull them aside. He doesn't say, hey, listen, guys, I want you to, I'm going to sideline you until you deal with this doubt. He tells them, get going. Go and make disciples of all nations. Get busy with kingdom work. Yeah, but Jesus, I'm doubting. Yeah, get busy. Go. Go. And Jesus isn't ignoring the problem. He's not ignoring the doubt. Often, staying busy for the kingdom and going and doing what God has called us to do to serve others, to minister to others, to encourage others is a big part of the solution. I've had more than one occurrence where my faith has been struggling and then God opens an opportunity for me to share my faith with someone who's not a believer and by the end of that time, my faith is soaring like it never would have if I got alone and tried to go deep within and figure out how to get this faith up. But there's something about going that helps our faith grow and our doubts shrink. Paul Tripp tells in his book how after he was diagnosed with cancer and he was undergoing painful treatments and felt incredibly physically and emotionally weak, he decided to invest his time in encouraging other pastors and leaders in order to keep going and, and, and not give up. So he's, he decided to invest his time in encouraging them, younger pastors and leaders, to keep going and not give up. And he says, there were days I didn't even want to get out of bed. The last thing in the world I wanted to do was go meet with these guys. And he admits there were times when he had to cancel. But he sought to be faithful he stayed busy helping others and encouraging others. And here's what he writes. What happened morning after morning in these meetings is that I left encouraged. As I recounted to these young pastors who God is, who they are as his children, the amazing wisdom of God's word and the wonderful work that God has called them to, not only would they remember, but I would remember too. What was hard for me to do, encourage others, became the very thing that God used to encourage me. Doubters, Jesus says, go and make disciples.
of all nations. And by the power of the risen Christ, we are called to and we can go. Go to help others. Encourage others. Go to someone and alleviate the doubts that they're struggling with, even as we struggle with perhaps our own doubts. Go to love others, even when you're wrestling with, does God really love me? Because often as we go to share the love of God with someone else, as we give, we receive. And that, that love becomes all the more real to us. God uses our going to encourage others to encourage us and make his love very real to our hearts. I love the fact that he doesn't sideline the doubters. He commissions them. Thirdly, Jesus promises the doubters he will always be with them. Verse 20, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. That's really something our hearts need to hear. I think one of the loudest ways that doubt speaks to us and through doubt the enemy speaks to our hearts is to suggest God doesn't care about us anymore. God doesn't see us. God doesn't love us. And so doubt comes in. Why isn't God answering my prayers? Has God forgotten? Has he abandoned me? Why, is God singling me out? I see others are not going through what I'm going through. Where is God when I need him? And doubt speaks to the heart and says, not sure God cares about you. And into that, Jesus speaks to their doubting hearts and he gives them this promise. And this promise has nothing to do with how they feel. Has nothing to do with whether they believe it or not. Now, believing it is important. Feeling it is blessing. But the promise isn't, if you do this, then I will. It is simply, I will. Behold, behold, I am going to speak a word to you that is true. It is going to land in your life like truth that you cannot budge, you cannot change, you cannot outrun. And it will encompass your life from the beginning of your life to the end of your life and into eternity. Behold. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. That's a, good, that's a good word for a doubting heart. And that's a word that he speaks not only to them, but to you and to me as well. Through thick and thin, even when we doubt, he will never leave us. What a Savior. What a promise. Some of you, uh, over the last several months, had the opportunity to meet Tony's friend, Vic. 95 years young. He visited the church several times. I think they also came here some nights and jammed a little bit. Am I right, Tony? Yeah. And Vic passed away on Friday night at 9 p.m. And when I was at his house the day before with Tony there, I saw his... Uh, four daughters just lovingly caring for him but we were there and we saw some old newspaper clippings of uh, stories that had been written over the years about Vic and, and some included his wife and had pictures of Vic and his wife from decades ago uh, one was from 1991 Vic had lost his wife of 75 years some years ago 
And if you talk to Vic at all, he always brought his wife up because he still missed her so much and loved her so much. But as I watched Vic's four daughters caring for him, and he was, he was not conscious, um, it just occurred to me how, as hard as that is, how rich he is as a person to have four daughters loving and caring on him like that, that, you know, that to go out like that with that kind of love. But I also, th there can be no doubt Jesus was also with Vic in the mo those moments. And Jesus was with him to walk him gently across the River Jordan from this life, this earth, to the next life, the next kingdom. What a promise. What a promise. Jesus says, he speaks to our doubt. And he says, have no doubt. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. So when you find yourself struggling with doubt, maybe you are struggling with doubt. Remember this, so did the disciples, and they had the resurrected Jesus. I'm pretty sure if I was there, I would not have doubted. I could be wrong. I might have been in that crowd. But if they doubted then, remember that, if you're struggling with doubt. Jesus didn't scold them. He didn't sideline them. Just the opposite. He revealed to them his greatness. He commanded them to get busy, and he promised he'd always be with them. And we trust and we serve the same Jesus today.